Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. It's so beautiful to be here with you guys again. No, it's so interesting. Those of you who know me um, know that I experience some digestive issues. I have something called IBS. And I had a flare-up last night. And what happens sometimes when I wake up the next morning is I will feel this profound brain fog. It's like whereas usually my thoughts can kind of feel like a flowing river, when I'm in this state, they feel very disjointed. And so speech can feel a lot more challenging to me. And I was talking to God and I was like, Lord, of course, the day I'm going to be on stage. Can you help me out, Lord? Like, you know, (laughs) I need some help. And I was still finding this profound difficulty with being able to communicate effectively. And I was sitting right there and I got to this point where I said, Lord, I let it go. I let it go completely. And there was this internal yes to the surrender of resistance. And to be real, I don't know if it fixed anything, but I became a lot more accepting about it. And there was this internal satisfaction and lack of anxiety that overwhelmed me, but I say that to say this. We have to train the ability to remove resistance. The Bible says that it is with the mind that we serve the Lord, but your body is your subconscious mind. When we train ourselves to let go of whatever we're carrying, It allows us to be able to show up the way we desire. It allows us to be able to serve the Lord. And so I'm saying that to say, when we do centering prayer, this isn't just a time to feel good. This isn't just a time to do a routine. This is training us in surrender. It's training us to let go physiologically so that we can serve spiritually. And it is with that being said, I invite you to get comfortable. Forget anything that is outside of you. In your own time, you may close your eyes. simply invite you to breathe. Divert your complete focus to that action. Ah. 
as you exhale. devote your entire focus to that action. Observe how the breath just happens. of your worries, a representation of your thoughts. A representation of even your own identity. Put it all down here.
You'll be able to pick it up after. Don't be afraid, it'll be there waiting for you, I promise. But in this moment, let it all down. sinking into the sofa. And each time you breathe, sink in a little bit more and a little bit more. Your muscles feel like jelly. energy into your lungs and when you breathe it out you'll be breathing out everything that is not peace and we will do that so gently in the same way that you would rock a baby slowly bring your awareness back into your body feel your fingers your arms your legs your face Feel the warming up as you're becoming just a little bit more alert. 
and in your own time you may open your eyes. We love you and we thank you, Hartway family. Thank you. What's up, guys? Happy Sunday. Welcome to Heartway. If it's your first time, very glad that you're here. My name's Danny. Started this community uh, almost seven years ago in my parents' living room. Now we're here having so much fun. And every Sunday for me is a miracle. It really is. And I think it's so dope what we're doing, which is obviously why I give my life to this work. And I put so much energy and devotion into this. But I think it's also why there are so many of us that are drawn to the energy that is in this place because we really are creating something special. It's very easy when you've had negative experiences with church or with religion to kind of just throw everything out. And that may be something that you need to do. However, as I've reflected back on my experience with church and religion, I've also seen a lot of good, beautiful things that I don't want to let go. And one of those things is just the gathering together um, for the sake of creating spiritual community, to create a hub, a place that can be a safe space for people to explore themselves. That's what Heartway's all about. This is a place of self-discovery. Our vision is to help people discover themselves in God and transform the world through love. And so we're here because we're curious. We're curious about God, we're curious about life, we're curious about ourselves. And as we get to know ourselves deeper, we get to know God deeper. Because it's the same journey. To know God is to know yourself. To know yourself is to know God. Um, the ancient Greeks used to have inscribed on their temples these three maxims. It was like their, their wisdom to live by. And the first one is know thyself. Why would they put that as number one? I don't know, but I'm curious as to why any group of people would put together a list of maxims and wise sayings to live by. And the first one is know yourself. The second one is everything in moderation. And the third one is I forgot. But I'll look it up and tell you guys later. I'll post it on Instagram or something. Okay, so today we're going to do a little Q&R. We did this uh, a couple of months ago, and I loved it. I loved the interaction. I loved the back and forth. I also love the naturalness of this kind of a setting. Um, I also enjoy having messages prepared every week to share with you guys, but there's just something about the non-preparedness that goes into something like this that excites me. And I think the spirit moves uh, when we leave room for this kind of exchange to occur. So just at the outset, I want to remind everybody that, you know, I'm not the answer man. I'm not the expert. There's a reason why we're calling this Q&R, question and response, because if you ask your question and you think you're going to get the answer to your question, you're not. There is no such thing as the answer to whatever question you have. There are plenty of answers and they all contain a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. So you take what you like, you disregard what doesn't serve you. In the Catholic tradition, there's this long um, history of something called spiritual direction. And people go to these spiritual directors or spiritual advisors to receive spiritual wisdom and guidance for their life. But there's a lot of people in this world of spiritual direction who don't really like that phrase or that title. So they like to use the phrase spiritual companion. And I really like that because that's how I see myself. I'm a spiritual companion. I'm just coming alongside of you guys on this journey of life. And what are my qualifications for doing this? My failures. Everything that I've done wrong. That's the only way you learn how to do anything right. So you actually stumble your way into spiritual awakening and realization. That's all it ever is. You, you stumble your way to God. You mess up your way there. So everything that I'm going to share with you from whatever questions we have to discuss today, it's coming from my life experience and it's coming from not doing it right. And so also, if you think about it, like if you want to make some strides in your physical fitness, 
or if you want to get healthy with your diet. You go to people that kind of know a little bit of what they're talking about in that area. Doesn't mean they're better than you or not, but these people are just really interested in this niche. So let me go talk to this person who's really interested in this. They may have some nuggets of wisdom for me to chew on. That's, that's all it is with me and, and God and spirituality. I just happen to, to really enjoy this, so I think about and reflect about these matters um, more than maybe probably the average person. But it doesn't mean I'm above or below anybody. And the good thing about spirituality is this wisdom is universal. It's already within you. And truth doesn't belong to one human being. If it's true, it's true. And it'll resonate with you at a heart level. You'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So that's what we're here to do. It's funny. I saw a meme uh, the other day. It's crazy. I'm talking so much. And this is supposed to be Q&R. I haven't even opened up the floor yet. Maybe I do have a sermon prepared, guys. <laughs> But I'll, I'll, I'll stop with this last one. This is funny, though. But I, I was on Instagram, and I uh, saw this meme. And it was a picture of a dog in front of a mirror. And the, the, the top said, after my dog ate my philosophy book. And the dog's looking in the mirror saying, am I really a good boy, or do I just do it for the treats? <laughs> I bring that up because it's like those big existential questions about life. Like, that's, that's why we're here. That's what I love to, to study and reflect on, and that's what we're doing. It, it's, it's about the art of living. So with that being said, we have a bunch of like questions here um, from the last time that we did this that I didn't get to. And so I'll get to them, but I also want to just open up the floor to see if you guys just want to ask any questions now, and we'll go from there. And we'll hang out for like 30 minutes. Don't be scared. So if anybody wants to ask a question, feel free. If not, I'm going to dive into this. We got one over here. Oh, we got a microphone for you. As a fellow Stoic. Um, yes, he said a fellow Stoic. <laughs> um, the phrase amor fati, love of fate. Um, I wanted to know um, your thoughts on uh, if, that, if you feel that has anything to do with uh, the confrontation of ego. And I want to know your thoughts on um, uh, what that might pertain to with your relationship with God. Wow. Yeah, I love the phrase amor fati, the love of fate. And what does that have to do with ego? Everything. Because to, to love your destiny, to love what is, is to live in harmony with God, it's to live in harmony with reality and the way things are. The only thing that opposes and argues against reality and the way things are is ego. That's the whole thing. Every time life goes one way and we want it to go somewhere else, that's my will, not God's will, my will. And I think that life should be going like this, and it isn't, so I'm going to throw a tantrum. That's, that's ego all the way. So the love of fate, to just love what is, to be a lover of reality as it comes to you, exactly as it comes to you, is the death of ego. It's the death of ego, and it's the hardest death to experience. So that phrase encapsulates what my entire spiritual practice is from top to bottom, the love of fate. Um, there is a Stoic quote that says something along the lines of, you can't control uh, the hand that you're dealt, in life, um, but it's probably a good thing to just play it as if it were your own. You know, life hands us this, you know, um, these cards, and we don't like the hand that we have to play, but play it as if it's your own. Accept it as if you chose it is another phrase I like. As life comes your way and things happen that you didn't uh, want to happen, what if you can practice accepting it as if you chose it to happen? So I've mentioned before, like when I was in college, I used to always mess around with my friends when things would happen that were out of um, alignment with what I thought should happen. I was always like, oh, that's just a part of the plan. And we would just mess around saying that all the time. When things, everything would go crazy. Oh, it's all a part of the plan. And we'll always have opportunities to practice that. I'll never forget when I went to the gym the morning that I had a whole bunch of money stolen from my Coinbase account. Literally a lot of money. 
that I, for me at least, you know, that I had put into this cryptocurrency. I put it on Coinbase and then I wake up one day and it's all gone. And I went to the gym and I don't even remember what I said to you. All I remember is I was smiling a lot. <laughs> what did I say to you, bro? You just slapped me on the shoulder and you're like, let me tell you something about life, bro. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because, you know, at that point, what do you do? Accept it as if you chose it. Amor Fati. If I do get a tattoo, it'll probably be that one. I love that. Thanks for asking that. Anna. Thank you. So, dear Dr. Prada. Oh, thank you're you. so First, nice. Yes. Yes, guys, he's a doctor, okay? <laughs> he's not spiritual partner or something. Yes, it is, but he's a doctor, Danny Prada. So first of all, Danny, thank you so very much to you and to your parents to accept us as a part of the family. We love Hartway very much and we love you dearly. So, but my question is, uh, you know, we, we already talked to you about, in my country, big war right now between uh, Russian and Ukrainian people. And this is the same people, this is the same culture, this is the same tradition. And if Ukrainian people talk Russian, you would never say this is Ukrainian, this is Russian, because they look exactly the same. And um, according to my comprehend, and according to the whole world, this is one person who started this, the aggression. This is uh, the president of Russian Federation. And um, two weeks ago, this is the question, two weeks ago it was an Easter, and the whole world saw the picture of this person um, holding candle and praying for, for, the go for good, for, for God, for, for people, for everything, you know, uh, for life, okay? Technically for life. And in many, I have many friends all over the world, and in many countries, on many papers, it was so many questions like, where's the harmony, where's the God? And why it happened? Thousands of people killing right now, every day. So my question is, what is your opinion? How, how, it can, how we can comprehend that one day the person is holding candle in front of the God praying and at the same moment this person started so big war. So what is your opinion? Thank you so much. Wow. So many wars that have been fought in the name of God, so many wars that have been justified by God, according to the people who fight these. And I don't think there is a way to explain the juxtaposition uh, between someone who says they have faith in God and who is also willing to be violent towards humanity. The only thing that I know is that I cannot point to any human being and say that that contradiction and juxtaposition only exists within them because it's also within me. And I recognize the ways that I have honored God with my lips and said that I'm a person of faith and have acted violently towards other people whenever it suits my cause and agenda. And so I go immediately simply to empathy and to putting the mirror in front of my face. I can't even judge that person. I can't judge that person. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't. So, like Phil says, there's that. <laughs> I don't really have much else. I, I, don't, I don't know how to, how, how, do, how do we explain that? How do we, you know, what, there's, there's nothing to say. There really isn't. It's, it's crazy. It is insane.
that we can light a candle and do a prayer and then in the same way uh, be this kind of people. It just kind of shows the emptiness of religiosity and religious formality. Um, it means nothing if, if your heart has not been changed and purified. So, and I love you too. Thanks for saying that. Great question. We got one over there. How far do I? Is this good? Hey, what's up, bro? What's up, dude? Uh, so, um, so my question is, because I know every week we talk about this idea of um, learning to accept what is. You know, learning to kind of live, um, uh, to, to, that peace comes from being, um, recognizing the way things are. However, <laughs> however, you know, you know me, <laughs> we've been friends for a long time, and you know that with me, uh, accepting the way things are kind of runs seems to run counter to the kind of things that I speak out on, that, I'm, that I have certain convictions about, that I'm always working to bring awareness to, that I'm, I'm always looking to um, stir change um, in terms of uh, issues of justice, whether it be you know, racial, whether it be immigrant, the other, caring about the other, things like that. So how do we, how do we kind of, um, how, how do we uh, reconcile this idea of our peace coming from accepting the way things are with this command from Jesus to love our neighbor? This command from from Jesus as he's he's rising as he's going up to heaven to kind of bring this good news into all the earth to kind of bring the announcement of the kingdom and a new way of being in the world which part of that work includes justice work how do we reconcile these two things that kind of seem like they can't really live together oh I'm just going to kind of be cool I'm going to accept the way things are and then on the other hand, no, actually, I'm not going to accept the way things are. I'm going to try to make a change because I'm a, you know, we are change agents. Thanks, bro. That's a really great question. And what comes to my mind is that if there isn't initially a fundamental acceptance of what is, then the energy with which we go about bringing a, about social change ends up just creating more of the same problem that we're trying to fix, if that makes sense. There's a lot of people who do incredible work of justice in the world, and they protest, and they're you know, donating money, and they're speaking out for these causes, but it is the manner in which they go about doing that that is really divisive, violent, abusive at times, very exclusive, and we've seen that. When political tensions get really high, we, we, we're scared to have Thanksgiving dinner with family members. You know, we're nervous about posting something on Facebook. We lose all those friends on Facebook and Instagram because we block them all. They commented on our, on our post something negative. We get all mad. I mean, this is, this is what happens because there isn't an acceptance. So first, First is the acceptance. Then, when you accept people as they are and you accept the situation for what it is, you can go about doing something to, to bring healing and to bring change that isn't going to create more of the same issue. Otherwise, we're just judging people, labeling them, categorizing them, making assumptions about them, and there's no love. And how could there be real practical change without love? So love is about being, to, being able to meet people where they are and understanding where they're coming from. And 
in your mind, if you think of another human being and something that they think or believe or a political agenda that they push, and if in your mind you're like, I have no idea how a human being could literally believe that or be for that or say those things, you are clueless. You are clueless. And you don't have any sort of empathy or true understanding because you think on the basis of your life experiences that everybody should just be able to see it the way that you see it. But people have different experiences. They go through different things. They see things the way that they see them. And in their mind, they think that they're right. Can you put yourself in their shoes? Try and look out through their eyes. Find a hint of compassion and empathy for your political opponents, for your uh, religious you know, um, you know, contemporaries and companions of other faiths. Whatever the issue is, can you see them as human beings first? That's going to affect the way that you treat them. And that's what's really going to bring about change. Yelling at people, in my estimation, yelling at people, shaming them because they vote for a certain person or, or back a certain cause doesn't bring about change. It hasn't been working for us up to now. And if, and if we can't accept the, the chaotic nature of life and reality, this is just how things have always been. And if, and if we can't accept the craziness and the chaos of human beings trying to create a society, um, again, what's going to fuel us is, is anger, fear, and that gets us nowhere. So that's what, that's what comes to my mind. morning um, <clears throat> so this is kind of a two-part it might be a three-parter uh, Ellie Wiesel um, uh, Holocaust survivor said the opposite of love is not hate it's indifference uh, and then he goes on to say the opposite of everything is indifference right and I'd like you to juxtapose that to the Beatitudes uh, if you can uh, to put it in, in a contemporary way, because uh, you and I, we often talk about standards, right? Standards of living. And I think we've lost that in our society. And I'm always looking for ways to have contemporary um, languaging around old scriptures that have lasted the test of time, that have uh, you know, as we say, everything will go away. The scripture will still be here, right? So that's it. Um, I don't know exactly what you're what you're asking me in terms of the indifference and the beatitudes. I don't get it. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay. Right. Yeah. But we don't. We we have all these affirmations. We've got all these memes, Instagram, mm -hmm. and people telling you to be positive. Right. Right. Because this will get you to that place. Um, blessed are those, uh, uh, essentially, I don't want to go through it verbatim, yeah. but uh, there's a counterintuitive mm. nature of Christ. This, yeah. this, uh, um, yeah. yes. he flips the script right. a lot. Yeah. So if you could expound on that. Yeah, well, one of the major flip the scripts that Jesus provides in the Sermon on the Mount is you've heard it said, um, to, what did, what did this man say, bro? Let's look in it. Yeah, yeah, you've heard it said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, love your enemies. That's a, that's a big one. That's a huge one. And we haven't even begun to explore what that's like and what that has to do with social issues. For me, it's like, if you want to change a racist person, be their friend. You being their enemy and shaming them 
It's only going to make them double down on what they're thinking and believing. But when you can get to know somebody at a heart level with love, that changes people. It changes you. And the best part about it is that now the change that happens, it's not even intentional on your end. You don't, you don't even want to change the other person. You're not trying to change them anymore. Just by being who and what you are, that has an effect on who that other person is becoming. I also love blessed are the poor in spirit. They will see God. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? I, I interpret that as like an inner emptiness. Inner emptiness. Not having any attachments. I'm not attached to my self-image. I'm not attached to my possessions. I'm not attached to my judgments. I'm just open, empty, waiting to be filled. That's a heart that I think is, is ready to be molded by God. Let me take one of these to spice things up. Oh, this is a thank you to everyone who makes this place happen. Cool. That's nice. <laughs> what, what is the juiciest way? Should I read it first in, inside of my head before I read it out loud? What is the juiciest way you can imagine being an inspiration for an invitation to emulation? Oh, no. This man writing a poem or a girl's writing a poem here. This is awesome. What is the juiciest way you can imagine being an inspiration for an invitation to emulations of Christ consciousness in the present moment? Oh, I know. oh you know someone? <laughs> okay, wait, these are so many big words. What's the juiciest way you can imagine being an inspiration for an invitation to emulations of Christ consciousness in the present moment? Just, just be it. Just be it. Just be be here, be present, be love, be open, be expansive. That is, that is how you do it. Your life always speaks louder than your words. That's it. Your life always speaks louder than your words. And, and it's, um, it's really interesting being in the, in the spiritual religious space that I'm in because, you know, something that you notice is that there's, there's so much information that is available to us through the interweb, Right? There's so much information that it's possible for people to um, retain and speak information that they really haven't yet earned through their own life experience. And so we, we speak beyond our manner of living. And that's when we get in trouble. We really should only be teaching what we can apply. And it is the application of, of, of the principles that really brings about the, 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 the change in people's lives around us. So just be about it. That's why I like to say that spirituality is a lot more about unlearning than it is learning. It's about unlearning all of the unhealthy uh, thought patterns and belief systems that we have adopted throughout our life. It's not about filling our head with more and more and more information so that we can have an answer for every question. You know, pour in spirit, empty yourself, and then stay empty and just be love. That, that's what'll do it. Is there a specific dress code that you believe pleases God? Um, no. <laughs> what is your stance on tattoos? Don't have one. They're dope. I mean, I don't, I, I don't have any, but the real reason why I haven't had any is because I've been scared of the little thing, you know, and the pain. I'm, I'm just not into it. I grew up in a family where, you know, you know, nobody really does the tattoo thing, so I don't, but my ex-wife had a bunch of them, and it is, you know, it's cool. So I like asking people about the messages on their tattoos, but, you know, dude, th this is not a place where we're, we're doing rules like that. How can I continue to have God lead me to the promised land? You're there. Wake up. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. We always make the promised land some place far in the future that we'll get to sometime. You are there. And you've always been there. 
That's why it's grace. And it's this realization that Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is, is here, it is among you, it is within you. And what's keeping us from seeing the beauty of life as it is, the kingdom of heaven here now, the promised land that we are um, in, is what we're thinking and believing about life, the filter through which we perceive life. And so that's why the only thing there ever is to work on is what's happening in your mind because that's all you're ever dealing with. And the worst thing that could ever happen to you, no matter what situation you're in in life, is what you're thinking in your mind. So if you can learn how to be comfortable with your internal world and your internal process, it's not about just positive thinking. You gotta learn how to welcome and embrace all that negativity and judgment that's in you too. The key is to learn how to see through it. Once you can see through it, once you learn how to put more trust in the voice of love than the voice of fear, then the negativity arises, the, the judgment arises, the anxiety arises, the depression arises. You're, you, you see it, you welcome it, you embrace it, you sit with it. You're not attaching yourself to it, but you're not trying to get rid of it either. And it goes on its own. And then you find this peace simply in, in this state of awareness and observation. And you stay there. That's the whole game. And if you can, if you can do that, you will realize that the kingdom of heaven is here. One more. What do you do to prepare for the service? Well, for this one, nothing. <laughs> but it's cool, like, uh, I like that a lot, actually, <laughs> that I didn't prepare. I was, it, it's funny because I actually, for some reason, felt a sense of, of uh, nervousness around not preparing, because I'm so used to just like preparing a talk for Sunday. And so doing this, it's, you know, this is, uh, it's, another, it's another step. And uh, I noticed that within myself, like a little bit of uh, nervousness and anxiety, which is all the more reason why I, I wanted to do this um, this weekend, even though a part of me felt like not, um, like cowering from it. And I was reading um, a book from a man named Henry Nouwen. He was a, a Catholic priest. And he was talking about how one day he was so overwhelmed by his responsibilities as a professor in Yale that he decided he was gonna take a vacation and spend a few days in a monastery. And so he, he goes to this monastery. And while he's there, a lot of the people that are at the monastery know who he is and they wanted to, to learn from him and hear from him and ask him questions. And so the head, the head uh, person, the head monk or whatever, asked Henry Nouwen to uh, share a few words. And he's like, listen, I came here so that I, I don't have to do that because I'm so overwhelmed with all of my teaching responsibilities. He's like, I, I haven't prepared anything. And the monk responded to Henry Nouwen by saying, why do you need to prepare? If you live in a state of preparedness, then there's no need. This is your life. You're just walking with God. And these people want to get a glimpse of what that walk with God looks like for you. But if this is your every day, if this is what you do, then you just live in a state of preparedness. And so I'm exercising that muscle now, and I didn't do anything to prepare for the service, but everybody else did <laughs> a lot. Like Jenny, who does worship, and Mario, who does our tech, and there's a lot that goes into um, preparing all of this, and I'm so grateful that we have such an incredible team, and any way that you guys want to help out and serve, we can, we can use you. And also know that you may have unique gifts and talents and abilities and resources uh, to do something new that we haven't done before. And so I think of Heartway as like a blank canvas and you get to come and add to what it is that we're doing. Heartway is always gonna shift and evolve um, on the basis of who's here, really. So depending on who's here and what they bring to the table is how Heartway is gonna continue to change and that's what's gonna determine what it is that we offer to people. So let's take a live question if there is one. My guy up front, we got a mic for you, hold on. 
What up, Dan? What's up, brother? All right. So um, I guess I speak for myself and I guess a lot of us in here. But, um, you know, sometimes in life we go through a lot of hurt and pain and, you know, me believing in God and in faith. Um, sometimes we kind of question it because of our pain and stuff like that. So I guess my question is, you know, um, uh, what what do you what do you uh, what do you think is uh, is a good way to deal with this and continue my faith and my belief, although you know thing after thing after thing. I love you, bro. I love you, bro. Can I give you a hug? That's how we do it. That's how we do it. You know, we lean on each other. That's the, that's the beautiful part about this not just being a YouTube video, you know? It's like, oh, you're going through something? We got you. We'll be here. And I'm sure there will be a couple other people after the service who will want to give you a little hug, too, and remind you that you're loved and that you're not alone. But you know what? It's, it's in these moments when it counts. I always remember reading the scripture for years. I would read the scripture in the, in the book of James that says, count it all joy when you go through various trials and when you go through difficulties because this is producing endurance in you, strengthening your faith. It definitely doesn't feel like that when we're in these scenarios, when we're in these moments. But when everything has crashed around me in my world, that has been a, a, a reminder to me that really the only thing that matters is this faith practice that I have. Is the only thing that I can cling on to. It's the only thing that I can cling on to. And it's hard because when we're in situations like this, when we're overwhelmed by life, it feels helpless. Like we can't do anything about it. And that's what makes it so difficult. That's what makes it so miserable. And it's only by getting comfortable with the helplessness of the situation that we can actually get through it. Because at that point, when you finally reach the end of your rope, that's when God's strength can sustain you, when you're no longer relying on your own. And so... I love you again. You're not alone. There's no easy answers in this time, but answers is not what you need. Answers is not what you need. And everything that you do need, God's already given it to you. Very good. Oh, okay, we're going to go there first and then there. Yeah, yeah. Good morning. Um, so deconstruction is a big word, a big buzzword right now in churches across America and Christians are leaving in droves. And so my question is, what is deconstruction? Did you deconstruct? And what is your advice to someone who is considering throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Wow. Awesome. Great question, Jenny. You're the best. So yeah, like... <laughs> Yeah, what is deconstruction? So deconstruction is uh, essentially this, this process of uh, questioning and dismantling um, inherited belief systems. And that is something that a lot of folks within particularly the evangelical branch of Christianity are experiencing. And the thing about deconstruction is there are no rules to this and there is no right or wrong way to do it because that's what a lot of teachers now are trying to do because they don't want people to leave their church or they don't want people to question those sacred cows. And so you can question everything else except this part. And that's just not how it works. And sometimes you do have to throw the baby out with the bathwater and leave for a while. Please don't go, though. We need you. But sometimes you do have to throw the baby out with the bathwater completely. It is only now, basically like seven years into my 
deconstruction journey that I've finally been able to go back, look at some of the things that I was taught that for a while I totally was like against and opposed to. And now I'm able to kind of appreciate a little bit of what they were saying. I'm able to appreciate a little bit of the good that I find in it. But that's not a journey that everybody, not everybody makes that full circle. So a lot of people divide this process into um, three different phases. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Another one is construction, deconstruction, reconstruction as a way of like describing the spiritual journey. So orientation is as we're growing up, in our culture, in our family, we're introduced to a certain way of believing and thinking about God and practicing faith. Then we tend to go through, normally the way it goes is we go through some sort of a life crisis that ends up shaking up everything. Or we come across a lot of hypocrites who say one thing and then do totally different. We have bad church experiences. Others of us, like myself, it's more of an intellectual thing. As I started just asking more questions, trying to make sense of my existence <laughs> as a human being and what it means to say that God is God, through that process, I, everything got disoriented and deconstructed. But then there's that last phase of reconstruction. And at the end of the day, even if you don't reconstruct your religious paradigm, even if you don't reconstruct within the confines of Christianity, I have found it very beneficial to just reconstruct what it looks like to have a healthy, vibrant spiritual life as a human being. And that is what I'm interested in now. I could care less about what title you use to describe yourself or what kind of Christian you are or what religion you practice or not. For me, it's about the big questions of life. Have you found freedom from suffering? Are we able to experience peace in this life? What is meaning and purpose? What am I here for? <laughs> Those are the questions that interest me. And all of the other stuff, some of it has to be burned down. It needs to be deconstructed. It needs to be tore apart so that something new can come. Jesus even said, don't put old wine into new wineskins. You can't do that. We need new, fresh expressions of faith and theology and church and spiritual community. And we should always welcome the questions. We should always welcome the skepticism and the curiosity. And if you follow it all the way, it's not going to lead you to, to more answers. It's going to lead you to the end of needing to have answers. And that is where things get really interesting. When you don't, you don't even ask the big questions anymore because you don't really need, even need to have answers. You're just, you're all right with the not knowing. Next question, that was a good one. And we're almost done, five uh, minutes. Thank you for obviously taking the time to, to, to do this. And it's, and it's interesting that, that I would follow her question. <laughs> I love it. I love how the spirit moves sometimes. And um, so while you're asking about deconstructing, uh, mine is more about constructing. You know, I arrived at, at Hardware at Blank Slate, you know, um, just kind of on my own journey. And... Uh, Harway's the only uh, church I've ever been a part of. So, you know, when I hear the stories of other people and, and, the, and, and the hurt and, and the things that they've gone through, you know, uh, it, it, it makes me, you know, wonder. And I, uh, you know, I, I, as I've tried to construct my own faith, I, I, what I appreciate about Hartway is it allowed me to have a very balanced view um, as I read the scriptures, as I do my study, you know, I'm, I'm very, uh, I try to be a student of um, the word. And so my question is, is you know, I've become, be, because of, of my 
you know, studies and, 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 and uh, I've become, you know, genuinely con concerned for members of my family and members, you know, like uh, friends of mine who uh, don't believe in, in, in Jesus and, you know, the, the, his expected uh, return. So I know it's not necessarily a message that we preach a lot here in, in, in Hartway. So how would you uh, approach that? How would you reconcile that? How would you, how, like, in what ways can you um, approach members of your family who don't have any type of relationship and to have a genuine concern for uh, their salvation, for lack of a better you know, term? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I can appreciate where that concern um, is coming from. I think it's just important for us when we're interacting with people to not have any agenda with them. You know, it's like, I was, I'm, I was thinking about a really close friend of mine. And this, you know, this, this guy, he's got all his problems in life, like all of us do. And he, he tells me all of, all of his problems because I'm like really close to him. And I literally just listen to him. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even try to help him. I had someone close to me who knows about my friend's situation who said, well, don't you, don't you try and like help? Aren't you, you, you want to you give this guy advice? I'm like, no, he's just my friend. If he asks me for it, sure, I'll give it to him. He hasn't done that in, since we were in high school together. So I'm there with him, I love him by holding space for him, accepting him as he is, not trying to fix or change him. I literally don't have an agenda. It doesn't matter to me if he changes or not. I'm still gonna support him and love him. So does anybody know that kind of love with like a family member or a spouse where it's like, they can, they can be the worst human being in the world, but I'm, I'm just, I'm committed to them. Like I love them. I have their best interests in mind. I care about, them. I don't have an agenda for them. And if you've ever received that kind of love, you know how powerful that is. That's the only way like best friends can be best friends is if, it's, if, is, is if that's the arrangement. It's like no judgment here. And I think a lot of times when we feel like we have to convert people or get people saved, um, people can feel that there is an agenda behind what it is that we're doing and, it's, and it takes away from the purity of it. And so it goes back to living the message, being the message. And there will be opportunities for you to speak the message. But at the end of the day, just to jump into your paradigm, at the end of the day, do you really believe that someone's salvation or not is dependent on you? Because that's horrible theology. But we can feel really guilty if well, I didn't tell this person about Jesus today. You know, I didn't, I didn't share the gospel with them. And we start feeling really guilty like we're not doing God's work the way that we're supposed to. You're not the Savior. God saves. He begins the work and he ends the work. And he may or may not use us in the midst of that. As long as you're open to being a vessel to being a vehicle through which God's love can be communicated to other people, the opportunities will be there. And they're even, it's even better when you're not intending it. It's like I, I was talking to, to uh, some friends of mine the other day during our circles of trust. And they were, they were talking about how someone went up to him and thanked him for something he did years ago that he didn't even realize he did. It's like, I didn't even know that I did that, but that mattered to you that much? That for me is the, 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 the purest of the pure. You, you're not even intending to help and benefit, but you do. Just without any sort of consciousness of it. And that's good because the moment you, you bring your own sense of self-consciousness into these sort of conversations, it's very easy to take credit and, and to be proud and to become self-righteous. So... That's, that's how I see that. I'm going to answer one of these questions, and I'm going to take one more, and we're done. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, wow. How can, how can someone learn how to surrender into God's will? It's going to hurt. And there's no way around that. There's literally no way around that. It's going to hurt. How do you learn it? By doing it. And you're not going to want to do it. And it's going to be painful. But you do it. Surrender. And that's really all you're doing over and over and over and over and over again. Surrender, surrender, surrender. Eventually, it's not going to be painful to do it anymore. It's not going to hurt to do it. It's, you're actually going to realize that this surrender shields you from the hurt. What hurts is not surrendering. What hurts is trying to control everything. That's actually what hurts. One more question. I, I just want to um, leave you uh, with, you can take this, okay? Um, a new paradigm for understanding sign language. If actions speak louder than words, then when we're trying to impart what God has done through us, use that as the sign language to reach other people. Boom. With that being said, Peace to you. I love you guys. This was fun. This was awesome. And uh, we'll do it again. Come back next weekend. We'll hang out.